everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your coach, your guide on the side. I don't know why I always come out screaming, but I do. You're excited. I'm really excited. Hey, we have got some great news. I'm going to say you will not be able to say good afternoon. I know. Much longer. Okay. Here's the news. I've been waiting to tell you, and today they're going to let me say it. Uh, 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 Oh, oh. Uh, oh, no, go uh, ahead. It, go ahead. Uh, oh, here's the news. The Matt Townsend Show is expanding from two hours. Is it expecting? No, expanding. I'm to sorry. three hours. We are not expecting. Uh, we are expanding from a two-hour show to three hours a day of fun, food, and <laughs> Wait a minute. Fantastic. They didn't, they didn't tell me there was food involved. Oh, yeah. They expanded our budget. Oh, we, get food now. Ooh. we have a food budget. Cool. Actually, we don't. Is that like 25 cents for the gumball no. machine? No, everybody just needs to bring food. From now on, <laughs> oh, we're doing I see. It's, a it's, buffet. It's potluck. It's a three-hour <laughs> show, folks. And here's here we're adding more to it, okay? And this is going to complicate your lives as a listener. But listen. Three-hour show, but we're moving the show. It's, it will no longer be uh, 5 o'clock Eastern time nope. to 7 o'clock Eastern time. It will now be... In the morning, it will be BYU Radio's morning show, nine o'clock Eastern time to noon Eastern time. That is correct. Nine to noon, uh, three hours a day. We are going to be hitting a lot of headlines, bringing in a whole new slew of guests and uh, and and content experts. But we're still going to keep having fun. James if- is even going to be there, so we'll actually be able to track. He and uh, McConkie's uh, marital progress. If you'd like to be a guest on the Matt Townsend Show. Give us a call, one 855 BYU. So that's great news. Now, the problem is it's, it's in the mornings. So if you're used to listening in the afternoon, remember, you can go to BYURadio.org. You can go to our podcast. It's that's all right. podcastable. Go find us on... Uh, you have the iOS app and Android app. It's everywhere. That's right. But download us because you know what I'm finding... Uh, I'm not a morning person. Really? No. Big so, surprise. It's a totally big surprise. But I need to be here really early in the morning to do the morning show. And so for the last week, I've been doing that. Well, okay. That We are going to be on starting at 9 a.m. Eastern. Yeah. But that means in the time zone that we're at, that's 7 a.m. Right. And, you know, you have to be here to prepare for the show. Totally. So you're getting here a little bit early. But what happens is I get more giddy. <laughs> so You're getting more giddy up? I'm, I'm uh, not giddy up, just giddy. So I'm actually, I think it ends up being funnier because <laughs> I'm half as aware of what I'm saying. Well, we all have been joking behind your back about it. <laughs> have you been noticing that? Yeah. There's something about the mornings. Like, I don't think, I don't think it's natural to be up this early. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. Even James was here early today. I know. Which was like walking dead. Did you see that? (laughs) (laughs) He looked like one of those zombies that you have to shoot through the head. Yep. Thanks for not shooting me. (laughs) And I mean that in the best way possible. 
So anyway, uh, go watch the show or or do the podcast. Remember, a lot of you, it's Podcast City, you know. This is downloadable. You can get it anytime you want. Listen to mm-hmm. it when it's convenient. BYURadio.org. But we've got a lot of really cool stuff we're doing. And you've already heard bits of it because it's we've been trying little segments on the show. That's true. But it's going to be fun. So... Check us out, 7 to 10, the new, actually 7 to 10 Mountain Time, uh, 9 to noon uh, Eastern, Eastern time, time, the new morning show, the Matt Townsend Show. Uh, now, any other headlines? Okay, we got to talk about this. Jordan, they have, ISIS has stirred the oh, hive. Yes. Holy cow, the most horrendous murder, vicious murder uh, that ISIS performed on that Jordanian pilot by burning him. Mm-hmm. It has it stirred the hive, and now Jordan it, Jordan took immediate retaliation within like I think twelve hours or so of and and they basically executed the two two prisoners, Sajida Al Rishawi, uh, which was uh, if you remember she was a would be suicide bomber who's uh, mm-hmm. who, that ISIS had been trying to negotiate her release. By the way, how weren't they going to trade the two? Yeah, they were going to trade uh, her, and the one they really wanted was Ziad Karbouli, which was a former top aide to the deceased leader of Al Qaeda in Iraq, Abu Musab al Zakarwi. Anyway, both of those people were then immediately killed, executed. I know by Jordan, and Jordan is now providing air help, air support. In, and they're sending up their air their airplanes to start to bomb ISIS as well. So interesting thing about this whole story, though, is it's now it's probably in in recent years it's the it's the first time that really a, a Muslim backed country, a Muslim driven country, is now involved in the game. I mean, they've all been kind of part of the coalition, but now these guys are taking front and center. And uh, King Abdullah II is leading the delegation to to no more. We're not playing with this. You messed with Islam. Yeah, he actually quote, oh, no quoted kidding. Clint Eastwood. Yeah, when he was really? Talking, yeah, when he's talking about how they were going to respond to this. Holy <laughs> cow. Well, I, I was just reading through an opinion piece I saw on CNN. Um, they were talking about how this is a very bad. This was a very bad decision for ISIS because uh, the pilot was actually from a prominent Sunni tribal That's family right. in Jordan, and King Abdullah is from that tribe. Exactly. So all of his political power is from that tribe, mm-hmm. and they want heads to roll. They do. No pun intended. But you know what? He, King Abdullah has promised a strong response, saying that ISIS isn't just fighting his nation, but now warring against noble Islam. Exactly. So it's interesting. Now they're invoking Islam, which is, you know, ISIS has always had the Islam, you know, you know, high road, they thought. Sure. Not when you start messing no. with with noble Muslims. Holy cow. So it's game on, my friends. And uh, I think that'll change. That's going to change a lot. Um, uh, it's just crazy. Yeah, crazy. that video was I, – I wasn't quite sure uh, why – what I was watching when I saw it. Did you watch? I didn't watch it. I watched I it, and I got it. yeah. That's the thing. I wasn't quite sure what was happening. Then I was this like, was "Oh the, my goodness!" This was the pilot's. Yeah, the pilot's video, and I couldn't watch the whole thing. It was yeah. horrific. Oh, I bet that's good. Good. It was a terrible, James, terrible thing. As your surrogate father, don't ever watch that stuff. Okay. Yeah, no kidding. Okay. And again, you know, uh, it's just this this is one of those things it's so much more complicated than any of us want to pretend you can't just go bomb them 
I know. There's going to need to be an insurgence again. You're going to need to put people down on the ground and start weeding them out. It's it's strange how this is picked up again. Um, and I, it's just and it's unsettling. Oh, it is that the 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 way that that I I don't understand how people can 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 say that we have to kill you because of this. Yeah, yeah. And and it doesn't matter what the because of this is. Nobody should be killing because of yeah any sort of and reason it's in the name of religion. Yeah. In the name of religion. This goes back. These are tribal wars that go back. Oh, too many years to count. Yeah. We, this can't be blamed on a president. No. Past or present. And it can't be blamed on anybody, uh, really, but ISIS right now. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, uh, we've got uh, our political insider, Joe Cannon, is going to be joining us. We want to introduce you to him for those that are, uh, that are new to him. Wonderful stuff coming up. We're going to get in deep, my friends. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. American Woman, man, how did that become the the song leading into Joe Cannon, our great political insider? <laughs> Joe's wondering the exact same thing, aren't you, Joe? Yeah. Well, in, in the house with us today is Joe Cannon. We have, I have been wanting a strong political insider, somebody that knows the ropes, somebody that goes to D.C., knows the backstories, that that's actually in the room with some of these uh, in some of these crazy moments with the people that are making. Some of the crazy decisions leading our great country. So we've asked Joe Cannon uh, to join us. Joe's been um, on the morning show many, many times over the past few years. He was the chairman of the Utah Republican Party from 2002 to 2006. He's currently the CEO of Fuel Freedom Foundation and is a trustee of the American Enterprise Institute. Well, I, I, used you to you be were, trustee, used yeah, to be. For about 12 years. Yeah. But, he, but Joe, the other thing that is so, I think, great, and I'm honored to have you on the show, is you, you were a presidential appointment. President Reagan appointed you to the EPA. You right. had to go through the whole you know, hearings, Senate hearings. You had to go through all of that. You've done this before. Okay, thank you. Now, I, know, I don't know if that's very comforting. Because uh, <laughs> you've been well, through you the know, ropes. The, I, mean, you've I will been say through the it. Senate confirmation hearing for a, an appointee to EPA isn't quite as exciting as the Attorney General, for example. It's probably not. They're I mean, going through it today, yeah. aren't they? What do you? In fact, that's one of the things I really want to pick your brain on. And every time you come on the show, I just want you to teach us. I, I kind of want you to be educating the public because not everybody is a political junkie. And yet we sit here and we see these the hearings going on. For uh, you know, Secretary of um, Defense. Also, we the the interesting situation that's going on with just all of the posturing of the potential candidates that, right. that are out there. Mm-hmm. So teach us, Joe. Well, first of all, teach us about you. You're a you're a lawyer by trade. Lawyer by training. Um, You've saved companies. Well, I mean, really. So yeah, I. I went to BYU Law School, and this is the second class to graduate. I clerked for a federal judge in Salt Lake City, went back to Washington, D.C. to practice law. Uh, I, I got involved. Uh, actually, at first, I, was in, I, I worked for the law firm, one, one, uh, 
the head of the law firm was a guy named Jim Baker. Uh-huh. And this happened to be in the late 70s. Uh, you mean James Baker? James Addison Baker <laughs> the third. Yeah. yeah. And, and so that office was the uh, the campaign office for George H.W. Bush in Holy the late cow. 70s. So yeah. I, did, I did some work on the Bush campaign, mostly legal stuff. Uh-huh. And then uh, when that campaign collapsed, it turns out I, I ended up working uh, in the – for lawyers for Reagan Bush in the Reagan campaign, it, oh, it was fun. I, I mean, I'm I'm young. You were a it's young a, kid. It's 1979, 80. Uh, I ended up working. Uh, this is a little tiny piece of history, but I was on the debate preparation group for the Reagan Carter debates. Oh, I, I put, how amazing! Put, put uh, folders together on domestic policy. I'm not sure the president ever saw anything that I wrote, but I <laughs> was on, on that small team. And were you wonkish? Um, did you just sit there and just eat all of this up? And let, well, did you like the policy side? I like policy stuff. I mean, I yeah, m- much of what I did was policy for the campaign. But but I uh, and then I worked on the transition team. Yeah, uh, and there I, I I again did policy things, working with the uh, uh, developing. Uh, this is more than one no, of the no, actually I one love of the this. things I did that was very interesting. Your, your readers might so President Reagan wanted to have a first one hundred days. Yeah, like like FDR FDR yeah. when Kick he it came off. in it was the first hundred days. So. All of us got assignments to of one president. I I was assigned John F. Kennedy. So I wrote, I read every single word that he wrote for the first hundred days. I Holy read biographies cow. and I wrote a, a big a paper yeah. on John F. Kennedy. And I got I it, it's I'm not going to say he was a conservative, yeah. but the John F. Kennedy that that many people kind yeah. of worship today was not who, who he was. was. I mean, I, I would read quotes to the, my colleagues on the transition team. I'd say, hey, listen to this quote. They sounds, think it was Reagan. He sounds and, and like it was Reagan. John F. Kennedy. On national defense and on some economic policy, uh, John F. Kennedy was much different than Democrats today. Well, is that the key to politics, though, is they just keep rewriting his history? I mean, that's the benefit is you just keep spinning him. <laughs> They're always spinning him toward what they need today. Yeah. Well, I mean, in the in the case of John F. Kennedy, of course, you, you, he had two pretty famous brothers. Yeah. Bobby Kennedy yeah. and, uh, maybe and were Teddy more... Kennedy. And both of them were more left. Now, John F. Kennedy may well have gone left also. We, yeah. we, we don't know that. Yeah. Uh, but he was definitely not. He was, I would, he was a, at worst case, center left uh-huh. president. Is and, that... on, and, on, and on foreign policy and uh, some economics, he was pretty mainstream mainstream well is that the key because as as we just talk about the elections it, i mean now there's i don't know 15 16 candidates in the gop kind of lining yeah, up uh-huh. and then there's a bunch that i don't even think have have even showed too much overt interest right, yeah. but they're probably interested yeah. then there's then there's hillary clinton on the left maybe a few others kind of circling but in the end don't they all have to come centrist well yeah that's a that's the conventional wisdom that you have to Go right or left, depending on which party you're in, and then you have to come back to the center. I don't think Hillary's going to have that problem mm. that, because I don't think she's going to be. Yeah. If she's challenged from the left, it, it will be a very brief, uh, you know, instant Nova, and, and it will disappear again. <laughs> the instant but, Nova Clinton. But um, she'll. I mean, if she's challenged from the left, yeah. And, and then she. So she. I mean, just another bit of history while, yeah, while, yeah. while we're talking. I mean. Uh, um, in both parties, so, so 1964 with the the Goldwater Johnson election, yeah. 
the I would say the right edge of the party took over the nominating process. By 1972, so starting in 68 and 1972, definitely the left edge of the Democrat Party took over the— And they started the, owning the, the election. Yeah, the, owning the—well, owning the, the nominating process. Yeah, the nominating process. And so in each case, then, there are litmus tests on, mm. both, on both sides. There are certain things you can't say and get the Republican nomination and the same in, in the Democrat Party. So now, now, now what you have is— uh, an apparatus that that forces the candidates because that's that's yeah. how they get the nomination. Yeah. So, but on the other hand, there's a little bit of conventional wisdom, that, like you said, you 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 move to the right or the left and then back to the center, and and certainly have to do that to, to some degree. But you cannot win an election without your base. That's true. So, so what's really the 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 genius of Barack Obama, and and, and by an odd set of circumstances. I'm pretty good friends with a guy named Jeremy Bird, who was the digital guru for, for, Obama. The, uh, for the Obama campaign and, and figured this out. They were relentless and incredibly skilled at going after their base and mm. turning their base yeah. out. And uh, that's how they won it. But both, both, and they did both use and, electronic. I mean, they used the digital media it was digital to media, build this but incredible was, database. But it was, and but it was to out. identify, but more than that, they had a really... Uh, fabulous turnout yeah. uh, system. So they they not only knew which voters really were going to lay down on railroad tracks for mm-hmm. them, they knew how to get them out to the polls. When you think about it in retrospect, did Romney just not turn out that base? Neither Romney nor McCain really turned the, out the 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 conservative the conservative base. side yeah, of the, yeah. of the so GOP. So they they got a, a lot. I mean, there's a lot of mythology about both of those yeah. elections. Some people say, "Gosh, Mitt got more or uh, McCain got more votes than Mitt." Actually, they got almost identical number of votes, Did around they? sixty million yeah. votes. But in either case, in each case. Uh, many millions of evangelical voters mm-hmm. and other very conservative voters simply didn't resonate with either the McCain or the Romney campaigns. Oh, that's crazy. Which is tragic. Yeah. Which is tragic. Because, and, and, and again, uh, I guess that actually came out. I don't know if you read the latest news, but David Axelrod, the great campaign expert yeah, for he's Obama. He's a genius too. Yeah. yeah he wrote a book, and in the book he basically talked about how Barack Obama was so upset with Mitt Romney's concession speech right? because in the concession speech, Mitt kind of just p- focused on the fact that you sure had great turnout in Milwaukee and Cleveland, right. which the president interpreted as being, oh, race. Racist, yeah. You could only yeah. – but he may have been just referring to what you were saying. He had an incredible ability to turn out his base, not just, not just black America, but – the base, right, right. Yeah, it, uh, yeah, I read that interchange, and it actually was about the concession call. The call, that, that's right, that's that, right. Not uh, the speech that Romney made, and they're as often as the case, different versions. Yeah. Well, of in fact, they came out today and said, said that's yeah. that's a bunch of. Yeah. He never but, said but that. But regardless of that, I'm a little bit surprised at the umbrage that Axelrod would take because the genius of what they did. So we, we know the African American voters overwhelmingly Democrats. So yeah. There's no question yeah. about that, but. They didn't just take that for granted. They turned they out made that it vote. Happen. You know, just say there are 30 million African Americans, uh, and, and I'm making this up because I, yeah. I don't know. But just say say 15 million of them vote in an in an average election. The the the, the Democrats going to get 90 plus percent of those right. votes. But 
but he's also if what 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 the Obama campaign did was said no we we don't, we don't want, want 15, 15 million. million we want 19 million so or whatever and yeah. that's what happened and and so they and it wasn't but again the, the focus on the African American vote isn't really it yeah. they turned out millennials they, oh, they that's turned right. out a lot of people who would not normally come yep. at all yeah. and they identified them they targeted uh, advertising to them and they and they turned them out and we only have about a minute but okay. So do you think uh, Hillary has that same pull? I mean, we have this young, energetic, you know, Obama minority that just energized the country at least eight years ago. So, so she's she's going to inherit a chunk of that because she's a Democrat. And yeah. that's gonna, she's going to get that the general Democrat base. Can she electrify the left edge of that base the way that President Obama did? Yeah. I don't think so. Or even her husband did. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't her well, husband do better uh, with that group than even uh, she might? He he did, but he ran more as he did run. He was as a, a centrist. centrist. Yeah. He ran as a centrist, and I think personally he is more yeah. of a centrist than than either President Obama or or his wife uh, Hillary. Oh, this is good stuff. But but she 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 will definitely draw from that base. Will she galvanize it? Yeah. yeah, that's the big question. Well, and everyone keeps saying, you know, it's another Clinton, it's another Clinton, but it's a different Clinton. She's not Bill Clinton. This is no. not. I mean, Bill Clinton was a master, <laughs> yeah. and you've been in the room with him before. I, I want to come back and have you talk about that. Okay. I mean, because that's part of this energy that we need. It's something that a lot of people complain Mitt Romney couldn't pull off that kind of charisma. That. I don't know what it is. We'll come back. Again, we're talking with our insider, Joe Cannon. We're having him educate us on this political process. Every show you listen to out there seems to be political, and yet a lot of us don't even know the beginnings of it. Joe Cannon's with us. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Too many people making too many promises. You know, we live in a land of confusion. Who better to help us sort through that uh, political confusion than our great insider Joe Cannon is joining us. Joe is currently the CEO of Fuel Freedom Foundation and um, also is he, he's, he's, he's as nonpartisan informed as I think we can get. Uh, Joe has been a chairman of the Republican Party, but he also, as CEO for Fuel for Freedom Foundation, he's basically trying to create public policy around fuels. Fuel, fuel choice yeah. and uh, alternate fuels. We're kind of primarily focused on, on natural gas as a uh, to kind of introduce that more significantly, including liquid fuels from natural gas into the transportation system. Now, today, it's not particularly cheaper, but yeah. when, when gasoline is Back in, in the $3 day, yeah. a gallon, right. which is only literally weeks ago uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and could be happening again in weeks into the future, uh, uh, we need we need competition for gasoline at the pump. So it's great when gasoline prices are low, but when they go, when back, they go up, back up, you don't have a choice. So and OPEC's like already threatening it, right? They're out doing what they can to drive it up. And, and, and there are a lot of market reasons for it to go up too. But we're not in the prediction business. We're just saying right now you don't have choice at the pump. Yeah. Right now you can go and you can put in. You get a choice between octane the, and gasoline. Yeah, which octane <laughs> you want. <laughs> and so we're saying, you know what, uh, in, in in Brazil, for example, uh, 
you can put in 20% gasoline and 80% ethanol and uh, oh, really? or vice or or anything in you between. You can mix your own mix. You can, yeah. you, you can do it turn a dial on the on the uh, pump and 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 uh, govern that. Well, why can't Americans why have a choice at the pump? I thought we had the um, most choice of any country in the world. Uh, not in fuels. Not in fuels, we don't. No. <laughs> well, Joe, we're glad you're here. And again, we and I, I, let me just reemphasize: yeah. we are a, a completely nonpartisan. Yeah. Uh, and you're we, trying to we, educate we and have, inform. We we work with both Democrats and Republicans. I just uh, not that long ago, I, I had a, a breakfast on a Monday morning with Senator. Uh, Ron Wyden, the fairly liberal yeah, senator yeah. from Oregon, and then later that week I had lunch with Rand Paul. Holy so cow! So this isn't bipartisan; no. it's actually bipolar. I mean, it's <laughs> it's not uh, and, uh, in more ways than one. I think. So, yeah. I, I think that's one reason I'm excited to have you as our insider because we need. I, I want to know I what's just, going on. I was I, actually in the White House last week on our project. Were you uh, yeah. to talk and just to talk to their people about their energy, it. the the president's uh, energy and climate advisor? Yeah. And again, mm-hmm. you you served on the EPA as well. So right, right. So um, having been in the room, and again, Rand Paul's a great example. So Rand is is putting his hat his hat in the GOP mm-hmm. process. Right. They have I don't know the, I can't remember the number, but a lot of people running. Right. And. My big question is, and as an insider, educate me. Why would anyone do it? I mean, I guess everyone <laughs> thinks they're just egomaniacs, but it's a lot. Well, you and definitely, beat Romney you, you up. definitely have to believe that you can be the leader of the free world, and that's that's an an enormous, yeah. awesome task. And so, you know, all these people, to one degree or another, that's what they believe. They believe, uh, and to be really fair. You know, all of them have some kind of a vision yeah. for where they want to take the country. So you cannot argue not with the fact that, yeah, yeah. you can not argue with the fact that Barack Obama had a very strong yeah. vision of where he wanted to take take the country, and that's true with uh, with. Uh, I'm not quite sure what Hillary's vision is, but yeah. but, but she definitely feels yeah. like she has the chops to to be the well it sounds like she's just laying low she doesn't want to necessarily state it yet because no, it she, seems she's like got the earlier... best of all worlds right now yeah. she doesn't she doesn't have to do anything she she's got the nomination it's not even hers to lose it's like she's going to have the nomination yeah. yeah uh on the republican side you've got uh, a a really interesting array of of people uh, uh pretty, pretty much across the the Center right, anyway, yeah. part of the part of the right. political spectrum, and so you've got you know people have uh, different different visions, and they they want to run, and the, the whole beauty of the uh, the uh, primary and the candidate selection process is how do they distinguish themselves? How do they how do they connect with enough voters to get that mandate to become the candidate? And, and like we said earlier, I guess they have to first connect with kind of the the in the Republican Party more of the right, right. side of the party, the mm-hmm. right wing. Which sometimes then puts them in some major positional problems when they try to move back right, to the yeah, center. Yeah. Um, do, do you see any? Do you see any that can that you think can manage that really well? I mean, that are kind of more naturally can play both sides of that party. Well, I, so I do know, Matt, that that's the conventional wisdom. But I also, when you start looking, even going back to 1968, when the parties yeah. had more divergence ideologically. Uh, Richard Nixon ran as a conservative. Hard to think about this today, but he ran as an anti-communist, Cold War conservative, and he barely beat Hubert Humphrey. Hubert Humphrey ran as okay. Well, maybe I'm not. I'm not Lyndon Johnson, 
But if you recall, um, uh, Humphrey didn't get his left edge base. He yeah, didn't get he didn't it, and, they, and he and he lost. Nixon barely won that in in '68, and he because he ran it. Yeah. But again, he ran as a conservative, and uh, Humphrey wasn't able to coalesce his base. Reagan ran as a conservative. Ford, who I love, Jerry Ford, did not run as a conservative, and he lost. Yeah. Uh, and he was running as vice president because he wasn't elected. But when you when you look at the successful Republican elections, or for that matter, the successful Democrat uh, elections, uh, uh, President Obama ran as a uh, a, 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 lef- a, a left of center Democrat. He captured his base, yeah. and he won. So George W. Bush ran as a conservative yeah. and and won. And won. Uh, Mitt Romney and John McCain, although they definitely were conservative by any normal right. meaning of the word, they didn't resonate with the base the same way that George W. Bush mm-hmm. did or that Ronald Reagan did. So, who 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 right now in the Republican Party seems to be able to resonate more with the conservative base? Well, a, a I mean, lot other of, than the, Ted the, Cruz. I think who... Now, there's a different problem because <laughs> many of them resonate with that conservative base, but yeah. maybe can't going to have a little it. bit hard hard time moving it. A, 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 a lot of people are kind of coalescing around Governor Walker, Scott yeah, Walker, Scott because Walker. he's tough and he was you know elected three times in four years yeah. to to the same job in a in a in a clearly blue state. Uh, so a lot, a lot of people like him. I'm, I'm not taking a position on yeah. anyone right now, but but uh, I mean I I think Mitt Romney would have been, I just, yeah, right would there. have been and would be in the future one of our greatest presidents. So that's, I'm kind of sad on that. But people are saying, well, Walker's moving out, or Bush, Jeb Bush is moving out. The fact is, none of these people have more than twelve or thirteen percent. Yeah, I mean, they're the all fighting for primary voters, right? Mm-hmm. Right today. So I, I don't know. My my own personal view is a guy who you know you haven't heard a lot of uh, uh, from right now, but I think he's waiting in the wings is John Kasich, the governor, uh, yeah. governor of uh, of uh, Ohio, who had high high voter. He just was revoted in and reelected with a very large mandate. Now his Democratic opponent had. Severe problems. I mean, <laughs> that always I, I, helps. That can't, it? it can't be. Yeah. That's not truly representative of. But I think he would win Ohio. And it's Ohio. And again, yeah. that tell me about that because don't at some point we have the you have to overcome just the numbers, and so you have to win some of these states. You have to win a Pennsylvania or an Ohio, Florida, North Carolina, Michigan. There are, there are, exactly. There are states that you have to win. And we're For Republicans. And, yeah. One of those is Ohio. Yeah. Another one is is uh, Florida. So if you had a Kasich-Rubio uh, yeah. uh, combination, that would be a very Powerful. strong. It would it would touch all parts of the Republican Party, uh, and could could be could be a strong strong ticket as a as an executive. So as a businessman that you've been, um, and even a, a, a politician, um, if you. It seems like a governor is better suited than a senator to lead our country. I great mean, overall, great the skill set, yeah. the tool set. A great observation. There have been some senators who became governor. Now, yeah. So in the case of Obama and McCain, one of the – you know, we had a choice between two, two senators. senators. You know? That's right. Uh, it's, it's kind of unusual. John F. Kennedy was a senator. 
but very few senators as senators have been elected president, more governors and more vice presidents. So, yeah. so even, a, even a person who served as vice president has some at least exposure to the executive, uh, the executive branch. But no, I, th- I think a governor, governors would make terrific, terrific. Why, and uh, why is that, do you think? Well, okay. I mean, it seems like to me they know so, how to here, lead. Here's, here's uh, a senator's job. And I, I, bureaucracy. I, I mean, no disparagement to any yeah. senators, uh, some of whom I know you work quite with well them every personally. Day. Uh, right. I would just say a senator's job is to be worshipped by 29 people. <laughs> you know, very, very few people ever yeah. say, you know, Senator, that's a dumb idea. Yeah. Governors, on the other hand, and, and, and senators vote and they're one of 100 that's votes. Right. Um, governors... Every day, somebody tells them, that's a kind of a dumb idea, Governor. Yeah. And they can and, pull up next to you in the car and say, you're an idiot. <laughs> and and they've got to run something. They've got to manage. Yeah. They've, they've got people that they have, to, they have to run. It's an executive job. And I think it – but it's a political executive job too. So I, I think governors uh, generally are temperamentally – and experientially right. suited, you know, suited to be presidents. What about the personalities suited. that come in? I mean, you have the Donald Trump that keeps teasing he's going to jump in. You have uh, um, Chris Christie, who's, I mean, he's a governor, great, uh, seemingly great politician, but kind of a big personality. Yeah. You have uh, Bernie Sanders on the Democratic side that's throwing his hat in. You'll always have the Ralph Nader kind of media type personality throw their name in as well. Does that impact? Is that as relevant, or are they just kind of? I mean, or do you have to be in the system? I, I mean, I generally think you have to be in the system. There, there's really only been one president. Well, there've been a, a couple. I mean, you, 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 Dwight D. Eisenhower, yeah, won World there's War Two. Iconic, II, right? Okay? Exactly. You win and, World War Two, and he, you and get to be he, president. you know, so that that was. Uh, I think everyone would agree. And, and, uh, an immensely managerial task yeah. to, to do that, yeah. even though you're a general, and not too many yeah. people tell generals that they're That's stupid exactly either. Right. Yeah, uh, Herbert Hoover was, you know, the Secretary of Commerce, right. and he be, somehow became a consensus candidate in the days when when the uh, candidate selection process wasn't anywhere near as open as it is today. Today, you have to have a political base. There's no question about it you, you know a lot of people love dr carson yeah, uh, no, yeah. You know, and he's a wonderful person his story is incredibly inspirational yeah. you know but you you have to have an electoral base yeah. somewhere along the line and um D- donald trump doesn't have it ben carson doesn't have it yeah this isn't um, yeah you're not going to win it via having a really great television show yeah i mean it's, mike huckabee it, yeah, Mike Huckabee. Now, but, he's uh, a Huckabee governor, a but governor, he's, and he's more in the but system. He was, but he was running more as an evangelical, and and but he will ha- he has he has a following. Yeah, you really have to show up in Ohio and New Hampshire. You, you have to persuade those people, however wacky the system that, that is. That sounds so wacky, you know, Joe. You know, Why it, it, it do is. we let them decide this for us? <laughs> and we are. Uh, both parties have decided, you know, what they're going to advantage a very small set of states, yeah. none of which is representative of the, of the United States population. Of exactly. But, but on the other hand, it's been pretty effective in weeding out yeah. or anointing various candidates. I mean, Barack Obama is president because he's right. stunned, That's literally right. stunned everybody in Iowa. People are going, oh, okay. Oh, okay. This guy had the chops to take yeah. on, you know, a consensus candidate and, and humbled her. Yeah. And, you know, that, that, that one, that uh, altered the dynamic. And that's happened 
a few times. Although plenty of people went to Iowa and don't end up becoming president. That's true, though, too, huh? Uh, George Bush, I think, beat, let's see, it was the other way around. Uh, I guess Reagan beat, I'm forgetting, but but the point is, is it was it was it wasn't it, obvious. It doesn't that it was always. Be it's Reagan not the coronation. Yeah, yeah. Did just as we're kind of wrapping up, um, I, I'm already tired of the idea that we're starting this. Uh-huh. Like it just seemed like we just did it. Yeah, okay, and you know what? You're you're normal. Is that normal? Uh, maybe you're a little bit abnormal yeah, yourself. I, well, but, I also I totally am. And, I, and I also of, read a little more. bit of a junkie yourself. Yeah, but right. but most normal people are not thinking about right. who's going to be president. And two know, more years. 2016. Yeah. They're, they're not thinking about that. But, you know, I'm not normal. I I, I like thinking about politics yeah. and, 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 and enjoy it. Is um is there is there hope? I mean, a lot of people are kind of just sick of the idea that, that nobody in in D.C. seems to get along. There doesn't seem to be real traction or movement in legislation. Right. So, so maybe just leave us with your ideal or your sense of does it is there hope here? Well, is the system? Yeah, I, I don't know. This, it's not. It, it's not necessarily the system is broken. What you've had really starting in the fifties. I'm old enough actually to remember the nineteen yeah. fifties. <laughs> there was a lot more consensus in the country. What's clearly happened. Uh, forgetting about politicians who are there, they're, they're, a politician reflects uh, his or her constituency, yeah. okay? Um, the, 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 there, there's been a much more significant ideological divide in our country, pro- probably starting in the 60s for sure. Uh, and that has gotten more and more entrenched as time goes on. So people say, well, why can't they all get along? Well, if you believe that the pathway to success for our country is spending more money and taxing more people, and another person doesn't believe that. Well, tell me where yeah, there's, where's the accommodation? There's the divide, huh? Yeah, somebody is pro-life and someone's pro-choice. So tell me what the how do you accommodate? So, so we, I don't honestly. You want you want to yeah. get on a, a positive note? I I think we're heading into more divided waters as we go forward. Even then, then does the it past. eventually break and then it fixes? I mean, it's like if you push something hard enough. Maybe well, that's asking, a third party or maybe yeah. a third candidate or somebody out of the blue that yeah. humbles these. I mean, Americans in general are not as polarized as the politicians are. That's, and we're much more independent, it yeah. seems like, than we are either of these parties. Right. That's interesting. Well, well Joe, we appreciate you. We can talk more you. about that later. <laughs> we are. In fact, and one of the great things, and we appreciate your willingness to do it, we're going to have you on as, every week if we can. And Thank you. Pick your brain. And give you more ideas, folks. Again, Joe, as a, as not just, but he's a political, I don't know, freak of nature. <laughs> he's somebody that's on the inside and can see it and can still remain fairly unbiased about it. And, and I want to just have him teach us more. So Joe Cannon will be back again. Joe, thank you so much. And Thanks, be Matt. healthy, Thanks be safe, travel safely. Yeah. Keep changing the world with uh, Fuel Freedom Foundation. We're going to take a break, come back, and to give you more tools, more ideas to uh, understand life and to hopefully see the good in it. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. It's good to have Joe Cannon on board. I'm telling you. You know, there's just people that 
they just are in the know. And uh, I asked him that question. Why on earth would anybody run for an office? It just, after seeing what Mitt Romney went through, after seeing even like John Kerry and just the beatdown you end up taking, it's, it's hard. So for the Coach's Corner, I wanted to bring up a story that I heard. That maybe is a way everybody out there in listener land, we all probably want to, you know, contribute to the world. We all want to do our little part. You don't have to be a politician to do it. There was a couple um, that 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 you know amazed me because again, as a as a relationship coach, uh, I do a lot of work with couples and have been basically talking about healthy relationships forever. There are two people, uh, Mark and Ismini Svensson, who were, before they got married, um, they were basically preparing for their nuptials, making their wedding plans. And um, instead of just having a typical ceremony, you know, with a cake and the photos and all the stuff, they decided to go down a different path and to celebrate their love by sharing good deeds across the country with people they never met. So they, instead of spending all of their money to have a wedding that will last a night, they ended up basically investing that same money and spent the last two years traveling the country as newlyweds. And every what they're trying to do is hit every of the 50 states, all the 50 states, and perform acts of kindness in each state. Hmm. It's a way to give back. It is. And when you think about how much money you spend, and, and James, I hope you're listening. Yep, I'm listening. Are you? Because you and uh, Macedonia, you and Macedonia are going to get married soon. It, yeah. Yes. Yesterday, in fact, uh, we were talking about how we walk, I walked up on you and saw something on your computer screen <laughs> that made my stomach drop. And, you know, you know that's, it was nothing like – it was nothing inappropriate. Okay, good. It was Thank a you. Wedding. I'll clarify that it wasn't anything. It wasn't inappropriate. <laughs> it was just kind of creepy. It was uh, a wedding registry page. Ooh. So he's he's registering. He's going around Bed Bath and Beyond. Yeah. With, the, with the little gun. It was Bed Bath and Beyond. I scanned the knives about fifteen times each. We want lots of knives. <laughs> um, but you're about to get married. And maybe what you ought to do is instead of spending the tens of thousands of dollars that you're planning on spending mm-hmm. for one evening of, you know, dry cake, why don't you instead take Macedonia and get on the road and just go serve the world? We could even serve in Macedonia. Okay. Ooh. Yeah, with Macedonia. <sighs> Their is name's... that with macadamias? No, that's different. Oh. That would, but boy, I'd serve in macadamia. Mm. <laughs> that would be great. Uh, Mark Svensson and Ismini, they've traveled the country. They both had a passion already for service and, and community service. And then as they're putting their wedding together, a really interesting thing happened. Um, as they were planning the big wedding reception and the honeymoon, we realized that our way of celebrating our love would be different. And they came up with what they're calling the 50 Acts of Giving Back. Um, and it all kind of is a tribute to Ismini's father, Apostolus, Apostolus Caridus, who passed away while helping others. The father of the bride plays an important role on wedding day, 
And I realized that my father wouldn't be there. Her dad wouldn't be there. So, you know, if her dad's not going to be there, he had passed away suddenly of a heart attack Mm -hmm. while, by the way, hosting a charity event. Oh, wow. So it's kind of ingrained in them. He was hosting an event where they were giving scholarships to underserved youth. And and by the way, Ismini's father delivered his last speech that night, focusing on the importance of love and the importance of giving back. So she took all of this, and they created a motivation. They went out there. They used their money, and instead of having a big wedding, they went to the courthouse. They got married, exchanged vows. Then they hit the road, and they've been all over the place. By the way, they have a hashtag, uh, hashtag 50 acts. So I'm guessing that uh, Willie Nelson ha- was their wedding song, with one of the songs. Which one? Which one? On the road again. On the, yeah, that's it. Okay. Dun, 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 dun. That's it. No, keep going, James, and keep going, and then I'll talk over it. <laughs> oh, no. Let's just try that. Keep going. Okay. First, they went to Asheville, North Carolina, where they bought flowers and presents to patients suffering from cancer. They then continued their journey to. <laughs> Are you done? Keep going. Are you done? To Texas. <laughs> He's going to run out of breath. <laughs> hey, next time, James, um, just get some audio. There you go. Yeah, I like that idea. Next time I'll tell you to do that. So what they do in Texas? Texas, they assisted an elderly man with, and women with their grocery shopping. Wow. Connecticut, the couple participated in adaptive sports camp. This isn't the order they went in, with is disabilities. it? Yeah, they did. How it's, do you go from Texas chose, to Connecticut? Well, they chose the most expensive route. No kidding. No, I don't think this is the order. Okay. They're, they've been at it for years. By the way, they're two years into this, and guess what happened? <laughs> they've fallen in love again. They, they, well, they were, yeah, they actually were already in love. And... They actually found out as they were on the road, they found out that they were expecting. Ah. Ooh. Wow. It's fireworks. And so now they have a cute little baby in tow, and the awesome. baby has become the, the, uh, the mascot for the traveling show. They don't dress up the baby, do they? Yeah. They dress him up like a dragon. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so why I'm telling you this is as we listen to Joe Cannon talking about these big politicians with all the ways that they're going to contribute and give back – Everybody on earth can give back. You could just simply start donating acts of kindness. Exactly. James and uh, Mercurial, they could just donate their wedding proceeds and go serve people. Take your knives and go to a homeless shelter and cut up food. Vegetables. Cut up vegetables. It's about service. So Mm -hmm. don't ever think just because... You're not a big politician with a big name that you can't change the world because you can. You can. And it doesn't even need to be. It doesn't even need to be that you travel around the country. It just simply could be helping somebody in your backyard. It could simply be raising your children. Anyway, that's the Coach's Corner. I didn't want to have a beat down or anything. But, hey, later in the show, we got a great, a great guest coming up. You know her as Julie K. Nelson, the bomb mom, the child whisperer. She'll be with us. Coming up, she's going to teach us and how to, you know, how to teach our children, how to teach them better. We're going to talk a little bit about immunization as well. Good stuff coming up, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back after this break. Good afternoon to you. Top of the morning. Top of the afternoon. 
This is the Matt Townsend Show, you're second just, hour. You're just totally mixed up in your time now, aren't you? I'm totally messed up. Is it morning? Not yet. Because I just said afternoon. <laughs> hey, here's the deal, folks. Welcome back to the Matt Townsend Show. Second hour, even better than the first. We have a surprise. For those of you that didn't hear it from the first hour, here's the new surprise. The Matt Townsend Show is expanding. Not only my belt size, not, well, on, not only my gut. we got to get you out of the drive-thru. Yes. I can't get out of the drive-thru. Uh, not only my gut is expanding, but also the show. From two hours to three hours a day. And again, I know that that's good for me. I don't know how it's going to affect all of you. James rolled his eyes. <laughs> again, not getting support from the audio booth. Okay. But uh, two out, three hours a day now. Now, here's the deal. We will not be on at the same time anymore. So as of Monday, the Matt Townsend Show will not be running from 3 to 5 Mountain Time, 5 to 7 Eastern Time. That will be top of mind with Julie Rose. That's correct. That's a different show. Mm-hmm. And I, you'll notice that because Julie's a smart, smart, mm-hmm. smart woman. Much different voice than yours, too. Much different. And she pronounces words properly and right and effectively, and she's... Speaks coherently? Yes. She's not illiterate. Thank you. Oh, there you go. Thank you. Wow. You guys are piping in now, aren't you? (laughs) Where have you been? All your life? Like, half the time I can't get you guys to move, and now you're just throwing in more... When we can, you know, descriptions just, of when, when how you need Julie's somebody better. to pile on, just call. Yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> I just called. <laughs> Let's have a rule. You don't sing, Sean. Don't sing. Hey, the uh, morning show is great because it's seven. It's actually nine to noon Eastern, Eastern time, seven to ten Mountain time. Mm-hmm. I have to always say that because I have to be here. Seven you got to 10 realize Mountain that. time. I got to be here when. So I, I, the last week I've been getting up really early. And I'm finding out I'm kind of weird in the morning. <laughs> but I like it because I'm a little more – I'm a little less reserved. I'm a little more out of control. I think I'm going to leave that alone. I, have, I think I've piled on enough. Uh, yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, now you're all quiet. The low-hanging fruit. Yeah, exactly. So, so join us uh, on the Matt Townsend Show. It's, it's the morning show. So if you, the minute you wake up, you'll want to turn your dial to uh, Sirius XM 143, BYU Radio. Also, remember, you can always podcast the show. BYURadio.org. BYURadio.org. Or basically, you can go find us pretty much on any podcast server. That's true. So if you just go to, if you like, uh, if you like Apple's podcast little app that's mm-hmm. on their phone, click on that. Look up Matt Townsend. I'm pretty sure... I'll be there. I'm pretty sure I will. Uh, anyway, check that out. Join us. It's going to be lots of fun. You can also listen on our, our uh, BYU Radio iOS app or Android app. See? It's app. It's Appalicious. That's right. So uh, some headlines for you. By the way, Joe Cannon will be on those shows as well. Plus, we have a bunch of other kind of experts that we're going to bring on like that. We're going to also address more topical issues. Okay. We're going to do a lot more of the news. Let me Let me just update you. On some of the lighter news. Okay. Uh, this is weed history is being made in Seattle. Weed Wait, history. Weed, weed? Weed. Weed history. As in like? As in marijuana. Dandel- oh. The first vending machines to dispense marijuana flower buds will oh, be debuted Tuesday. Me. To me, sounds like a silly idea. Vending machines? Vending machines. 
Is this a, is this in Colorado? The machine. Uh, this is, I think, up in Seattle, I believe. Okay. Uh, the I machines. Didn't realize have a, it was legal in Washington. Oh, it, oh this is in Colorado. Oh. Uh, the machines have a touchscreen where buyers can make orders, play video games. Oh, jeez. So they're going to be smoking weed and playing video games. <laughs> what a combination! On the vending let me, machine. Let me guess. They also dispense Doritos. Yeah, and they'll yeah they have a little munchies button. Okay, you just hit. Oh, I got the munchies, and then it's pitiful. We don't need vending machines for pot. No, you swipe your medical marijuana ID card or your driver's license to make sure that you can legally purchase the goods, and then you must pay in cash or Bitcoin since the federal government doesn't allow debit or credit card used on the sale of marijuana. Only cash? Isn't that amazing? So the government's protecting us You're enough. You're kidding me. You can't use your credit card to get Mary Jane, but you can get it in a vending machine. Wow. See, I think this is where the laws are not the law where the laws aren't necessarily protecting. No. Anyway, I'm just against it and you know, Okay. We've already talked on the show about all of these problems people have running away from their own life anyway. Exactly. I get it. I get the medical marijuana use. I really do. There's just got to be a better way to pick up your medical, well, like a pharmacy. I can understand chronic pain. Yeah. But can't you go to but, a pharmacy? I know. Why do you have to have a vending machine? I mean, so you're, t- so you're getting your chips. You know, you go to the little break room. You get your chips. You get your diet beverage. And you get your weed. And you move to the last machine, and yeah, there you go. Oh, Anyway, I don't even want to talk about it anymore. Okay. But it is a little Fort Knox, they say. A miniature Fort Knox, because they don't want anybody stealing the weed. Yeah. So you could get your gold bars, too, from a vending there machine. There you go. Gold, oh, Goldfinger will be there soon. Watch mm. out. Goldfinger. Hey, uh, here's a fun little fact for you. Do you know that the IRS chief... Uh, basically says we still have applications that we're running when that we're running when JFK was president. You're kidding me. The IRS is running still on systems that were created during the JFK era. No wonder they Joe they, Cannon brought up JFK. They they sent they sent back my return the other night. Yeah. It's because, you know, it wasn't dated nineteen fifty I guess nine. nine. Uh at the Senate's Finance Committee hearing uh today, IRS Commissioner John Koskinen testified in on IRS funding requests for the upcoming fiscal year, and in that he said, despite more than a decade of upgrades to the agency's core business systems, we still have very old technology running alongside our modern systems. Some that's of the software be, I mean, that's, that's, is fifty-two years old, nineteen sixty-three. How do you still run that on machines that are? Powered today, that you know, just doesn't seem like it would Scantrons. be. Hey, do you remember? Do you remember the language they used to remember DOS language? Yeah, but this stuff predates that. So listen, the, Commissioner Koskinen uh, stated that the IRS still uses a programming language, COBOL, that oh, was wow. considered obsolete 15 years ago. Well, that uh, well, at least that's that you know is better than the punch card system. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember that? I totally do. Okay, so you know, just so you know, the IRS has your back. And if you were ever worried, yeah. I guess if you were worried about being audited, don't worry about it. No wonder it took them so long to get, you know, yeah. to be able to file online. Yeah. Hey, one more thing just really fast. Guess how much uh, IRS or uh, um, the IRS bill will be for Tom Brady? Five. Nope. Not even close. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Bill for? Winning the Super Bowl. Oh, well, let's see. You got to you gotta put the truck in there that he got yep. to be an MVP. He's got a $60,000 bill. 60000 
$500 bill from the IRS will be coming his way. 42000 on his share Why? of the victory oh, winnings. Oh, I see. He, yeah, because there, there are winnings. That's and right. $18,500 for that red Chevy truck that he gave away to Malcolm Butler. Well, Malcolm has to pay that now. Well, actually, I think— But actually, that might be tax-free because it no, was a gift. 13000 of it is income taxable, and then he has to pay 5000 gift tax. Mm. Wow. So, you know, but you know what? He can handle it. Come on! He's Brady. He's Tom Brady, for heaven's sake. If he can handle the pressure of the Seahawks in the Super Bowl, he can handle the pressure of the IRS. That's exactly— And to just know, whatever it is, the system is outdated. 53 years, he'll probably get another bill. We're going to take a break, my friends. Uh, coming up, Julie K. Nelson is going to be talking to us about the headlines and the parenting headlines in the news. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Father's to your daughters. Daughters will love like you do. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Great song. John Mayer. You know, I guess John Mayer's a really hard guy to date, but he sings great songs. But wouldn't that be the case for all of us? Hey, in the house, Julie K. Nelson is joining us, also known as the bomb mom or the child whisperer, wife, mother of five, author of Parenting with Spiritual Power, and uh, on faculty at Utah Valley University, teaching marriage and relationship skills. Julie, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for inviting me back. Well, you know, it's we were we talked about it and we talked about it. And we're like, I don't know, should we have her back? And then know. we thought, oh, yeah. she causes such trouble. You're so good at this. It's because I bring treats. See, I figure you if do. I bring treats, you're like, well, we want to kick her off the program, but she brings such good oh, donuts. That was actually last night's discussion. <laughs> no, we'll have you on no matter what. Oh, thank you. And today, you're you've brought something special mm-hmm. because you are you're going to address parenting. In, in the, the news, because yes. there's a lot of stories about parent issues, mm-hmm. and I mean, so in fact, almost every story we could probably blame on parents. <laughs> yeah, let's go back <laughs> from what's going Freudian on in the Middle stuff, East. Yeah, from what's going on in politics, mm-hmm. it's all the parents' fault. It is. But um, you've you've been researching, and so what what stories are standing out for you as a, as an er, a parent educator? Yeah. What what's in the news that we need to worry about? Well, there's some really interesting stuff that kind of reflects just which, what our society is doing, right? Yeah. Um, we've got larger issues, uh, national topics, and then we've got things that are just local in different um, communities. So I thought I'd bring in just a variety of stuff Great. we can talk about that affects all of us. Yeah. Then one, I think the hot topic right now, I've just talked about maybe just the last week. I've just researched what's going on week or two. The big topic, of course, is, you know, do you immunize or not? Yeah, that's huge. Yeah. And this, I mean, it's it's complicated because there's, you know, there's been a a, t- a tough history, mm-hmm. right? A lot of people, they, there's the mercury. They got the, the mercury. Yeah, yeah. And does it cause autism? Yeah. Or and there was a scientist that that uh, proposed that it did. Yeah. There was a connection, and since then that's been debunked. Right. And but still, that image sticks in, in your, your head. head. And uh, at first, uh, the immunizations uh, were fairly fairly. Um, 
greeted with quite enthusiasm, especially after we had polio and all that sort of stuff and measles. And people thought, oh, here's the answer. So we had a high response rate. Now we're getting a little bit, you know what? We don't have measles anymore. We don't have polio. And so parents are a little bit less, you know. It's hard to drag your child down there and stick a needle in their thigh, you know. And so. Well, and it's the government. Yeah. Yeah. What are they putting in that serum? You're going to let the government decide this. (laughs) And then then all of a sudden there's the talk about, you know, what are your rights and Mm -hmm. what are my rights? Rights mm-hmm. and in fact, I just saw an article basically saying it's like drunk driving. If it's you put me in jeopardy when you and we know you know all mm-hmm. of a sudden everyone goes to Disneyland, yeah, and there's a measles outbreak, yeah. But if you're not going to get your child, you know, immunized, it may impact my family. Exactly, and that's what's happening. It's called the herd immunity or community immunity in science, and what that means is that the more people who are immunized, that protects the rest of us. Right. That aren't perhaps right. or that are carriers or whatever. And so that helps us. But when fewer people are immunized, which is happening now, then um, they, in the state of California, there was 13,000 kindergartners that were unvaccinated because of religious or personal beliefs. Yeah, because they can take that. They can opt out. Mm-hmm. You can opt out. It's not, you know. And so in 2000, fewer than 0.77 percent of California kindergartners had vaccination exemptions. But in 2014, 14 years later, it had risen to 2.5 percent or one in every 40 children were not. Not getting in. So you're now going to um, increase the chances of that, not that protection of that herd immunity. That's right. Mm-hmm. So as a family, though, this is a family decision and a parenting decision. Mm-hmm. So how do you suggest we go about making it? And how do you suggest we go about – I mean – you know, everyone has their opinion on it, but if somebody really has doubts about it, what should they do? Go find reputable research. Talk There's to your a lot experts. of misinformation out there, and talking to other people that perhaps are part of your social circle who are against it, but doing are saying so just because out of fear or out of mm-hmm. whatever it might be. Um, misinformation again. You go and research it yourself and see what they're telling you is true, yeah. um, because it really. Uh, does and even if you have political leaders who are saying, "Hey, it's up to you. You can decide what you want," they're not speaking for the rest of us. That's right. Um, and so we, we really need to um, acknowledge that uh, we're putting everyone else in jeopardy, and that measles can be a deadly disease. And like you said, it's like drunk driving. Yeah. You know, you're driving very recklessly throughout life, and it could affect me and the rest of us. It seems like too. I mean, the immunizations. There's just so many of them now. Mm-hmm. I mean, like like you said, you might need nine shots. You might need eight shots mm-hmm. at a time, and yet, so it seems like too. The science could maybe help us. And, the, combine and it's irrefutable some. science, Matt. Yeah. That it, that there is there is. Not a connection between, uh, right. you know, tainted. There's nothing tainted in there. I mean, there's always a risk, you yeah. know, of having your Something. child immunized. There's always a risk of everything. Yeah. But um, some people will say because of religious exemptions. In this one article I was reading about California's vaccine laws, there, this um, uh, reporter was saying that there really are too lax because you can say personal beliefs or religious beliefs and opt out without really any kind of rigor. Yeah. And uh, the James uh, um, Colgrove, he's a professor of social medic- medical sciences at Columbia. Um, he said the right to practice religion does not, in my view, include the right to endanger the health of others. Yeah. So that's where your rights end. And it's it's uh, encroaching into my rights. So if you say personal beliefs or religious beliefs, you better have a pretty darn good reason because it really affects the rest of us. Yeah, and, and I think this is – I mean this is kind of – it's funny. Like who would think this would have come up again? Mm-hmm. I mean measles. We should have had like it wiped out. the most out. contagious. Yeah. And, and yet again, rights. I mean, and, and again, your right versus my right and – Yeah. So, but, but I guess the key you're saying too is – 
research. research there's it. a ton of data. Oh yeah, it's all over the place. There's nothing that tells uh, that there's no science that proves that it's, that it's dangerous. Yeah. Um, there could be some personal effects, side effects, and of course there are some kids who maybe have just had a liver transplant who can't get immunized. There's personal things, yeah. but overall. It's good. Um, yeah, we need to have our kids immunized. Please, everyone out there, don't listen to misinformation. Good idea. All right. Good, good idea. Listen to the Matt Townsend show instead. You know, another thing that was interesting I read just this morning was is that it didn't start out in Disneyland. Did you know that, Matt? Measles, Breaking news. Well, I think measles even predates Disneyland. <laughs> <laughs> Where did it start? It said that in the news today that it happened elsewhere. It didn't start there. It happened months earlier in Ohio's Amish community where 383 people fell ill after unvaccinated Amish missionaries traveled to the Philippines and returned with a virus. Mm. It didn't draw so much attention in the news, but um, that's before that even started. How did the Amish travel to Phil- the Philippines? In in carts in and horses. I guess they I guess you take a you take a cart to the Boat? Sure, and then a boat to Philippines. Boats are not very high technology. Come They're, on. Well, <laughs> okay, they are. Actually, the boats today are pretty high tech. Okay, they are. <laughs> the, boat that, the boat that's going to get you to the Philippines. They is... had canoes. Come on. Yeah, I don't know. But it's know. interesting. So, now, was that from the um, Disney news that you just read? No, I got okay. it from the national news. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, don't blame Disney. Yeah. But I mean, it, you know, it's I, just that's where the, everyone congregates, yeah. and it's a large. Uh, Pool of of, of, of usually, children that are running around with you know yeah carriers. Usually, when we have a mass infection, it's on a cruise ship. Yeah, it's not at Disneyland. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. But the Amish then mm-hmm. had the, it before that three hundred and fifty. Again, I guess those that were probably refusing the shots for religious reasons too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, but please, um, out there. Unless there's a health concern um, for a child that they can't and they're exempt, please immunize your children for, yeah. for, for their sake and for the rest of us. Um, it's just so sad when that happen when they do um, have an outbreak yeah. and children are at jeopardy. Be responsible. Yes. I mean, they're, the, your children, they need you mm-hmm. and they need, they need your attention. They need your focus. Mm-hmm. Um, that's great. That's great advice. What, uh, what other news have you found? Hey, I found these uh, sisters who are just phenomenal. I'm just really I'm in love with them. The Kite sisters, I think they're twins. Um, Lexi and Lindsay Kite. Yes, they're identical twins, and they're the founders of Beauty Redefined, a nonprofit foundation. Represent a way to discuss body image and women's potential and media influence. Hmm. They're PhDs, the both of them. Wow. Yeah. They PhD help, squared. That's right. They help women recognize and reject harmful messages about their bodies. They say every time you see a woman in the media, she's been altered to fit ideals. Uh, this is absolutely an industry standard. Don't let anyone else tell you otherwise. So they are about teaching our daughters to redefine ourselves and having not object self object um, becoming object objectified. Yeah. I should say. And in today's culture, we live in a world that tells us that in order to qualify to be a woman in the media, you must look a certain way. And once you qualify, you then will be photoshopped and even further. So you can't even fit the ideals that even they have. I mean, you have a beautiful model, yeah. and then um, you have to then alter even that image. Yeah, I mean, you really you have like an idyllic human frame and body, and then we airbrush it yeah. to make it like more abnormal. So then we're objectified, and we have this this body that's now an object rather than a human being with our you know innate flaws, which yeah. we should enjoy. We should in, we should embrace our freckles, whatever it might yeah. be. See, it's a problem though. The minute you start uh, airbrushing, like when people meet me in public, they're like, 
They want to airbrush you. Well, they're like, you're a train wreck. <laughs> mm-hmm. When I see you on TV, you look you look so much. But the fact that you have skinnier. the airbrush on a on a little yeah. cart behind you, I carry I yeah. carry a little airbrush mm-hmm. kit. Yeah, but they do. I mean, so part of that is if a if a young woman thinks that this is the ideal model mm-hmm. body type, mm-hmm. and they are, but that's not their body. You know, a, a, a five foot nine body is mm-hmm. not a five foot two, two. body. Mm-hmm. So we're messing them up. Yes, and the media makes it out that we uh, teach then the boys and men that women are to be looked at mm-hmm. and used and abused and then discarded. And so like objects. Yes, exactly. So this is what they say. I love what they have to say. Um, a woman who becomes her values, who believes her values comes from her appearance is more likely to have low self-esteem, have unhealthy dating relationships, comment on others' looks, suffer from anxiety and depression, and develop an eating disorder. Um, This is all from research. You cannot fix someone else's self-esteem issues by telling them that they're pretty. Mm -hmm. It's fleeting. Prettiness is fleeting. No one ever goes up to a group of boys. Think about this, man. No one goes up to boys and men with self-esteem issues and say, oh, boys, you're just so cute. Don't (laughs) even worry about it. You're so handsome. You just look hot. Go out there and change the world. Yeah, we don't say that. Yeah, we don't say that. Sean said that to me actually yesterday. Yeah. It was a pep talk, though. We had we had to get him going for the show. And, uh, so. But you now don't do that. But we do it for girls all the time. And they did it, their own little research. Just, you know, informal 100 women, they asked them. And 90% of the participants responded negatively about their bodies. Hey, Matt just wanted me to do what Bill Belichick does for Tom Brady. Sure. So. You the man, Tom. You can deflate those balls. <laughs> deflate them. Let's come back to this, Julie, because uh-huh. I want you to, to teach us a little bit more about what, what we probably should be saying to mm-hmm. our kids. Uh, again, in the house, uh, Julie K. Nelson's joining us from A Spoonful of Parenting. She's going through the parenting news. And uh, one of the keys we're talking about today is beauty redefined. We'll be back, learn how we should talk to our, our daughters about their looks, their image, and just their inner beauty as well. This is the Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. We are uh, talking about the news, the the news, the parenting news, and the news about parents, things that we need to know. In the house is uh, Julie K. Nelson from the website A Spoonful of Parenting. Helps the medicine go down. (laughs) <laughs> the immunizations go down. That's right. She's, give uh, them a shot and then give them uh, some candy and give say, them some candy. way to go, kids. And be careful what you say to your daughters because what we say, they believe. That's right. And what we actually focus on, like, oh, honey, do you really need a second dessert? Yeah, you're looking a little bit pudgy. And yeah. boys don't like pudginess. Mm, boys don't like pudgy. <laughs> but, you know, it's funny. Um, the like, I went to a dance recital of our, for our high school, and I, I could only remember dance recitals when I was a boy. I hadn't gone to many since because my daughter didn't dance; she played tennis. And um, but even the image, like the girls today, they're not like back then. You weren't muscly. They were just mm-hmm. I don't know the word. They were like dancers' mm-hmm. bodies, mm-hmm. not muscly. The girls today, the image is even muscle. Like, they're ripped. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wow. So even so, it doesn't even have to just be you have to be skinny. Mm-hmm. You almost have to be toned. Yeah. And 
like almost obno- – I mean we always talk about my ab on the show. Which ab? Just I've only got one. <laughs> but it's huge. But it's – you can't even – you have to – it's not even enough to just be skinny. You have to be toned. You have to be ripped. Yeah. So so I look at all these girls with anorexia, bulimia. Mm-hmm. They do that to get skinny, but it still doesn't make them ripped. So even that doesn't make you good enough. So it's it's such an it's an extreme impossible. Well, standard. and the ones that are walking down the runway are incredibly undernourished and underweight. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, they really are. Um, you know, and so we have people who cope by doing things like you know eating disorders. And these two women, these uh, these twins who these uh, that are doing beauty redefined is their their um, organization. They um, say to, to cope with the shame that often comes with negative body I- images in our daughters. They turn to e- eating disorders, like you said, yeah. cosmetic surgeries, cutting, abuse of al- with alcohol and drugs. Um, and we need to see ourselves more than just bodies, they said. Now, the 10% that they – I told you that 90% had negative. Yeah. The 10% that had positive used words like, my body is awesome. And instead of focusing on the body itself as far as an object, they said, what can my body do? Ah. This is what parents can teach their daughters and sons. In that they talk more about what their bodies can do. They can do hard things. They, they've overcome things. They've um, given, you know, gotten through illnesses, um, running marathons, um, things like that. Things that you're strong. Right. Your body can do that's strong. So it's a mechanism. Your body's not a thing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a mechanism. It's a tool mm-hmm. to kind of get your soul yeah. in the world. So what they say, yes, they say that your body needs to be an instrument instead of an ornament. Oh, that's – oh, I love that. Yeah, yeah. That's true. So be critical of the media – Look at it and be critical of it. And I did. I have three daughters I've raised, and I always would say, "Hey, look at that," and I, you know, show, show them how inaccurate that was yeah. the media. And um, and, and I we didn't talk weight issues at home. Yeah, yeah. That's just you know, you're healthy, you're active, you're good. We didn't have a scale until about a year ago. I've never had a scale. Yeah, you know, we're healthy, we're active, we're good. We knew. I knew I was fit if my pants uh, fell to the ground when I put them on. <laughs> And I was out of shape if they stayed on my body. Yeah. But it's – so you don't – it's kind of what we put in, right? But then a lot of times we're like, oh, you look gorgeous. And a lot of times just the innocent grandma out there will say, oh, yeah. you, your body is just so You're perfect. so beautiful. Yeah. And it's fine to be beautiful. But more important, we need to be amazing. Yeah. And so we need to t- talk to our daughters more. About, okay, you look, you look lovely, but you are amazing. And, and then talk about the qualities. Yeah, the qualities. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, like your integrity. How, I'm so proud of – not just that you graduated or whatever, but I'm proud of how hard you worked. Yeah, and you so were honest. So instead of the outcome, mm-hmm. talk about the principle yeah. that got them there. That's right. That's, That's cool. Right. right. That's and that we're lesson. not beautiful for other people. We're beautiful for ourselves. Well, it's you know? exactly right. Yeah. That's right. You don't – yeah. You, you, need to, you need to be beautiful so that you can be your best self. And not even physically beautiful, but so that you can radiate. One thing, though, by the way, I want to make sure we talk about is – because porn use is going up and up and up and up. And porn use is nothing more than kind of the male version of objectifying the female. Yeah, and Fifty Shades of Grey is getting a lot of traction right now, yeah. good and bad. And I just want to also put my little toot my horn on this one as far as immunizations. We're talking about go and, and get your kids their shots, but also don't see this movie. This is all about objectifying yeah. women in a very horrific – Supposedly 20 minutes tor- torture, of intimate or tor- sex Torturing yeah. and all that sort of stuff, S&M and just uh, total sex objects. Yeah. yeah. And then we wonder, I don't, I don't know why the girls have problems. Yeah. 
It's it's a crazy time. It's beyond me that people will accept roles in Hollywood, that the man will do that to a woman and a woman will accept that from a man. Yeah. But then the women would argue it's empowering. This is this is women exercising their own freedom, their own agency to use their body sexually the way they want to. Instead of men controlling their body, it's them. But again, for what end? Right? So you have the freedom to go be sexualized. You're domineered. You're not. Be, you're, you are being tied up and, right. and controlled. There is no yeah. freedom there. No. But again, mm-hmm. the whole movement has been historically men have been dominant or women – men have been dominating women for centuries. Mm-hmm. So – So why not make money off of it? Yeah. <laughs> Let's call it Hollywood. Actually, Sean's probably going to address that tomorrow. Don't see it, people. <laughs> Don't, please. No, that movie doesn't come out for another week. Yeah. Yeah. Don't oh. even make a lesson. Don't even. Oh. So let's do some local stuff. Yeah. Akron, Ohio. I love this idea. Pregnant smokers in the Northeast uh, Ohio ca- uh, County can get free diapers in exchange for permanently kicking the habit through a new health program. I applaud them. That's great. Yeah. How, how does that work? Or Baby do, uh, and Me Tobacco-Free Program aims to reduce premature births and infant mortality that have been linked to, of course, you know, smoking during during pregnancy. But now, how do how do you know they're not smoking? It says they pregnant smell smoke- your breath? <laughs> <laughs> Smoke, pregnant smokers can earn a $25 voucher each month for one year if they quit smoking, attend at least four support group sessions, and prove they're smoke-free by passing monthly carbon monoxide tests after their children are born. Oh, there you go. Oh, wow. Yeah. So they have to like probably breathe. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the around. breathalyzer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's great. Motivating I, health. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. I mean, I mean, a lot of people would argue, well, why does our government do that? Mm-hmm. Why are we buying diapers for people to quit smoking? But it's health. Yeah. Well, and we pay for it in the long run. You're going to pay one way or yeah. another. Yeah. It's family health, though, too, because you're not you're not just getting the health of the mother there. You're getting the health of all the children in the house. That's right. And everybody else in the house too. That's right. Plus, the people that will pick up on this are the ones that already need to, you know, may not have that education, that history of how to be a mom. <laughs> so they're also probably coming I mean, to do that. You got to come in regular, regularly. They have more, you know, impact on you. They can teach you other things. Mm-hmm. It's powerful. Yeah, I, I love that. Good job, you know, Ohio. Yeah, way to go, Ohio. And then Albuquerque, New Mexico, not so great. Not that this reflects on the state of New Mexico, but on a particular family. You hear about this so often in the news, I just have to bring it up. Another three-year-old boy, well, another boy, happens to be three years old, found a handgun in his mother's purse mm. and filed a sh- fired a shot, wounded both his parents. Yeah, and a, wo- a loaded weapon in a purse, pe- people. He reached for the iPod but found the gun instead. Parents. Seriously. Seriously? Why are you packing heat? Yeah. Why... <sighs> But again, honestly, again, here we are. Can you can you can you train out stupid? I don't know. Like, can you can you? I mean, it's an accident, and that probably was just a yeah. pure accident. But it should not be loaded. There's got to be. A, well, yeah, it's got to have safeties on there. You got to pass. Oh, yeah. your you mm-hmm. know your personal handgun. No, that was that Texas. This is in New Mexico. I mean, again, it, this but, could have, this could have but, been much worse. Well, I mean, the mom was pregnant; it could have injured her even worse. But than you'll baby. hear this story how many more times? Well, this story is constant, mm-hmm. all the time. I, I don't know. I, if you're going to pack heat, you've got to be responsible, and you've got to fo- follow the personal handgun laws. Just yesterday, here in this state, we had an Amber Alert. Yeah, I saw that. I have it on my phone. Uh, and the reason that we had an Amber Alert was because uh, a person got into a car. 
at a convenience store and took off in the car, and there was a baby in the car. No. But the reason it was so easy for this person to do that was the father had left the car running. running. Mm-hmm. With a baby in the car. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you don't, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. And now I, I understand that the tragedy that the father, you know, is feeling when his, his daughter is missing, but it could have been prevented very easily. Well, that's, I think, the benefit of actually bringing up the story because we don't think it's ever going to happen to us, but apparently right. it does. <laughs> so if you, if you have a gun out there, okay, forget everyone else and all the other yahoos that have ended up not doing it right. You, if you have a gun out there, yeah. protect yourself. Protect mm-hmm. your family. Put a lock on it. Maybe don't carry it in your purse. If you do, I mean, every cop that comes home secures their gun when they come home. Mm-hmm. They, they they just have created the habit. So if you're going to carry a gun, secure your gun. Yeah. Very much so. There, I mean, there there are boxes that are made just for that purpose. Right. Mm-hmm. And don't leave them in the car even for a minute. Oh, no. Especially now, right now in the wintertime, not so bad. But, you know, when you have an infant in the car and they are roasting in the middle of the uh, – you know, oh, you'll go yes. to jail, people. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, I've even – Called the yeah, let's do, well, let's do one other health alert. And don't don't give your kids McNuggets. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, you're, are you poisoning your kids? Do you know the amount of mercury in a McNugget? Speaking of oh, mercury, just kidding. Okay. Let's let's. Uh, By the way, I know this because uh, my family. I know there's not mercury or anything like that in any McDonald's right. food because I've lived on it for years now, fifteen years. Yeah. And look at me. Woo-hoo. I've turned out fantastic. It's just pumped full of steroids. That's why this right. this one. Well, that's why ab, also, ab is, my ab is, is yeah, that's, just ripped. That's that one ripped. ab, and, and also weird hormones, which just, is why I'm growing. Just wish breasts. you'd stop showing it off to everybody. <laughs> but it's totally true. I've got to quit wearing these tight shirts. Yeah. Yes. You know how it yes. goes. Julie, you're the best. Hey, it's good to be here. Let's do this more it's often. It's fun to have the headlines. Yeah, let's do it. I'm going to bring it in once in a while. Yeah, do that. Mm-hmm. Do that. Yeah. Uh, Julie K. Nelson's her name. you got to go to her website, A Spoonful of Parenting. And while you're there, check out her book, Parenting with Spiritual Power. She's got another book coming out. What's that called real fast? Keep it real and grab a plunger. 25 tips for surviving parenthood. Can't say that fast. It's too long. Keep it real and grab a plunger. (laughs) Two principles of long-lasting parenting. Uh, We're going to take a break. And when we come back, continue again. All that we do on the show to give you the tools, the, uh, the hopeful, positive outlook on life. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody. The final segment of the Matt Townsend Show. We call it the Z Block. It sounds like a, it sounds like a, some immunization. Hey, have you taken your Z Block? <laughs> yes, I have. <clears throat> I'm feeling so much better. It fights colds, actually. <laughs> That's right. It gets rid of the phlegm. Hey, on the show today, we've been talking um, about just the power of women, the power of young women. And we wanted to wrap it up and put a big bow on it by continuing our discussion um, about young women, young ladies. Yeah. And Julie K. Nelson's still here from A Spoonful of Parenting. 
Thanks for hanging out with us. Hey, it's great to be here. I also noticed that Sean uh, gave you some Snickers candy bars. Yes. Mm-hmm. I kind of did a nice favor for him she, earlier this she week. Did. Mm-hmm. That is, by the mm-hmm. way, that is a Snickers bar for each one of our abs. <laughs> one for uh, James and his ab, one for mine and one for Sean's. Um, but, Sean, you've got uh, an article talking more, just more things yes. about – Late, the young well, women. Women's self-esteem. I have, I have four daughters, so this is a topic that's kind of close to my heart. You bet. Bit. But I found an article in Psychology Today written by Mary E. Pritchard, Ph.D. It's called Building Up Your Daughter's Self-Esteem. And that it caught my attention since I have four daughters. And she was reviewing a book uh, by M.J. Abadi called The Goddess in Every Girl, Develop Your Feminine Power. Huh. Uh, but Pritchard had noticed that she works with a lot of elementary and junior high school and high school students. And she brought up this fact that 80% of 10-year-old girls have already been on a diet. Mm-hmm. Holy cow. Yeah. That's what I said, too. 80% of 10-year-old girls. 10-year-old girls. Well, guess what? They're seeing their mother go on it. That's right. Obsessing yeah. about their weight, and so they think that they should do the same thing. I hear this all the mm-hmm. time. That's why young women need to watch their fathers more. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Because we don't do that. Because we don't do that. <laughs> but uh, some things that, uh, that MJ Abadi brought up in her book I thought were very nice, and I thought I would share them. Uh, the first one is that the myth of mind body, the myth of the mind-body split. You can't separate the mind from the body, male from female, right brain from left. We need balance no matter your gender, belief systems, or orientation. It's true. Uh, Another one is it's who you are that counts. I think that is so important. I think we lose sight of that a lot. It it doesn't matter what you look like. It's not what you do. Yeah, it's not what you do or how you do it even. We're all individuals and everybody is wonderfully perfect. Hmm. I think that about all my daughters, and, and I'm hoping that I'm transmitting that message to them anyway. Um, now, this one I thought was interesting. We all have a dark side. Oh, yeah. Mine's, oh, mine's yeah. dark chocolate. Oh. <laughs> Some of us have a dark chocolate side. <laughs> I'm more of a caramel side myself. But is that a hollow dark chocolate, a solid dark dark? But, yeah, I mean, there, there's nothing evil about this dark side no. that we're talking about. It's it's part of the whole person. I mean, it's you don't the balanced have a, whole. Yeah, exactly. You the don't yin, have a dark. Yang. You don't have a dark without a light. That's right. So, and nobody is perfect. We all, we're all making mistakes here. Uh, next is we all have the capacity to heal. That's cool. To heal ourselves and yes. others. By mm-hmm. the way, right? Uh, originally, well, medicine meant knowledge of the wise woman. Yeah. So oh, really, yep. The word medicine. Originally meant knowledge of the wise woman. True. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Another one. We all need quiet time every day. Oh, yeah. Silence is energy in and of itself, and quiet times of reflection can be powerful tools to heal. So true. Especially if that during that time you're sending yourself positive um, mental uh, messages. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That you're not in your head thinking about all the bad stuff about yourself and I can't, but that's the I can and I am and I will. And, the yeah. positive messages while you meditate. And don't mm-hmm. assume quiet time is just when you get video game no. playing in. Mm-hmm. That's, that's my not quiet. But sending positive messages during that time is very exactly. empowering. It's powerful. Uh, it's important to have role models, positive mm-hmm. role models. Uh, we are all divine. Each of us has a divine spark. We're all children of, yeah. insert your, your divinity right yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Um, you only get one body, so honor it. Take care mm. of it. Do what it, do what you need to do to take care of that body. Keep a journal. 
I yeah. thought that one was interesting. Yeah. Note your learnings. What are you learning? Mm-hmm. If it creates some introspection. And then uh, the last one is find your sacred place. I like that. We should all have a place that we can call our own somewhere we feel safe. Everybody needs to have a sacred – and by the way, if you can be quiet and find quiet time – In your sacred place? Then you can find some – then you can let the sacred in, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's powerful. Well done. That's Thank good you. stuff. So what was the title of that? What was it the- was called Building Up Your Daughter's Self-Esteem. You can find it on psychologytoday.com. It's powerful. Okay, so if you've got a daughter, get on it. And by the way, every one of those would apply to a man too mm-hmm. or a well, boy. I, yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't forget the boys and don't ever underestimate the women. Uh, here's a great story about that. So one of the things we've been introducing on the show is an idea called Townsend's Heroes. Every day I want to find somebody we can hold up, we can all look to as kind of light, somebody that's inspiring us to be better, to dig deeper. And we have a, a wonderful young woman that uh, fits the bill on that one. Her name is um, her name is Autumn Ship. She is the brother of Britain Ship, the second of four children. Uh, actually, the the oldest of the four children. She was injured. Uh, her brother Britain was injured in an ATV accident on November first, twenty fourteen, and um, it, it changed Autumn's world. So Autumn was in her third semester at the University of Utah. She was a softball player there on scholarship. And um, on the phone, she was talking to her dad, and her dad said four words that changed her life. The four words are simply, no, things aren't okay. She must have asked, are things okay with Britain after the accident? And dad said, no, things aren't okay. And from that moment on, um, our great hero of the day, Autumn, began to basically um, watch after her brother and sit in vigil and what she does is she goes to the hospital and she sits right by his side and and she's there for him. Um, and she has since, by the way, uh, not gone back to play uh, softball. She's taken some time off from school because she knew she needed to sit by her brother. Um, he had actually fallen off an all-terrain vehicle in the Pine Valley Mountains in southern Utah and was taken to the hospital by ambulance and um, was not doing well. Um, and what ended up happening um, before his accident, 16-year-old Britton, who loved sports, loved to play football, baseball, basketball, his mother always described him as a good boy. He was a loyal friend, a great athlete, and a really good friend to his sister, Autumn. And they would just sit by each other and take care of each other, and they'd hang out with each other, and they were always there to support each other. Well, uh, when when he was hurt... Um, you know, the tide was turned and she needed to to spend some more time with him. She remembered that at nights, um, for example, when she was down because things weren't going well for her in softball or other things, she remembered that Britain would come to into her room and he'd try to talk her down from it and tell her, it's okay, you're going to be okay, you just had a bad game, you'll get him next time. And so what she knew is that uh, Autumn, just like Britain was Autumn's biggest fan, Autumn needed to return the favor. So now she sits by his bedside and she's rooting and cheering him on. She's put together a blog that uh, now has 5 million viewers that have, have looked at the blog. She's motivating others to understand, you know, just the importance of relationships, the importance of family, and um, she's changing lives. One young woman felt the responsibility to believe, and she wants to keep the belief alive of her brother. She also says, I just know Britt would do the same thing for me. 
And I feel like, you know, I don't want to miss out on this miracle that's going to happen with him. She's got all this hope and faith of his recovery. So I'm going to be here because it takes every single one of us. I feel like each of us plays a role, and the role is so important. This is where I need to be, where I want to be. She's uh, amazing. Wow. Uh, the power keeping... of a positive family. Yeah. I mean, it just impacts all of us. And siblings, you know, having siblings yeah. that are that strong. Yesterday we did a story on a woman that they were about to pull the plug on, and she woke up. Hmm. Four hours before. Four hours no. before they were about yes. to pull the plug. Four hours. No way. And the doctor's mm-hmm. like, yeah, there's nothing that can be done. So I personally would trust the faith of a young woman mm-hmm. who knows her brother. And just think of the healing that goes on because – you know, his spirit's still there. Yes. His brain's probably still functional to some degree at some level, and he knows that his sister's there. Mm-hmm. I like the fact that she's keeping track of his healing. Yeah. He can go back and look at this blog and and just see the How progress cool that, that the he pictures, has made. Yeah. yeah, it's awesome. Five million people have gone to see it. By the way, they have a GoFundMe account. Um, it, so just go to GoFundMe, I guess, dot com, and you can find you can find more out about her. Um, again, the power of one, my friends, the power of one. It doesn't take much. And the power of a young lady, a young woman that knows who she is. Yeah. It's so cool. See, folks, there's good in the world. There's good in the world. And even in the bad, dark times, uh, the, the lights can still shine. Great quote uh, we're going to end with today. Alexander Hamilton once said, those who stand for nothing fall for anything. So ask yourself, what do you stand for? Well, Autumn stands for her brother. Do you stand for your kids? Do you take care of their self-esteem, their identity? Are you protecting them by giving them good health? Being responsible parents. Being responsible. Are you going to stand for this country and, and, you know, step up and, you know, play a part in our political process? That's the show. Hopefully, you know, we've all gained a little bit from it today. We'll be back Monday. More fun ideas, more tools right here on The Matt Townsend Show on BYU Radio.